Now, the, the, the book of Bamidbar ends, the book of Bamidbar ends with a kind of a, uh, a boring uh, section about Arei Miklat, Arei Miklat, and then it gets into uh, Ritzicha, like murder. Like that's the end of the book of Bamidbar, is talking about murder. And what the Torah tells us, I just summarize it quickly, what the Torah tells us is that if you can, you can kill somebody in one of two ways, either the Mezid or the Shogeg. Mezid means you did it purposely. And Shogeg means you didn't do it so purposely. Now, I'll try to define that. Mezid means you killed the person on purpose, and if there are witnesses, witnesses, and the witnesses gave hatra'ah, which means they warned the perpetrator, listen, you know, if you kill that other guy, you're going to be liable to be killed yourself. Then he can be dragged into court, and the court has the right to declare his sentence as death. Shogeg is more complicated, because shogeg means, and you have to remember this very well, you know, if you want to get the right answer on a Torah quiz, that Shogeg is, I meant to do it, but I didn't realize the implications. So, let's say somebody doesn't know that you're not allowed to cook on Shabbat. He never went to school, he never learned that you're not allowed to cook on Shabbat, so he cooks on Shabbat. But, but, he, um, he, he comes and he says, look, I didn't know that it was forbidden to cook. So that's called Shogeg. That's called Shogeg. Or, or, for example, he didn't know that today was Shabbat. He thought that tomorrow was Shabbat. So if he cooks on Shabbat, he cooks on Shabbat, even though he didn't know exactly, uh, he didn't know it was Shabbat. So that's also called, that's called Shogeg. Right? Now what happens if somebody does something, doesn't know what he's doing? There's another name for that. Like somebody sleepwalks, and in the middle of his sleep, he goes and he cooks something on Shabbat. That has a different name. That kind of activity. It's called mitasek. Mitasek, which is a, you know, like a Hebrew word. You know, like a guy was doing one thing, and suddenly he realized he was doing something else also. You know, sleepwalker. He was a sleepwalker. So that's, of course, he's patur. But he's not, he's not a shogeg. Because a shogeg doesn't really get away with it. If a person kills somebody else with Shogeg, let's say he's chopping down a tree, this is the example in the, in the Torah, right? He's chopping down a tree, and the head of the axe flies off, so it goes backwards. So he's picking up his hand in order to get it really up in the air so he can whack at the tree, so the head of the axe falls off backwards, and kill somebody, he didn't even know he was there. He didn't know the person was there. He's called he's called Rotseach Bishogay. Now what happens to him, this Rotseach Bishogay? What happens to him is that he has to he has the right, the privilege, to run away and go to one of the Are Miklat, one of the six cities that were established already at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu that accept uh, a Rotschim. Murderers Bishogay. That if he doesn't run away, if he doesn't run away, then the Goel Hadam, the next of kin of the people who, of the person who was killed, has the right to kill the murderer, even though it was Bishogeg. 
you, you, you understand the, the Shogay guy he has the right to run away to an Ir Miklat but he better do that because if he doesn't run away to the Ir Miklat then the Goel Hadam the Goel Hadam is uh, the next of kin the one who redeems the blood of the dead right uh, is allowed the Torah allows him to kill the perpetrator the guy who caused the original death so this is a little hard this is a little hard for us to understand I think I mean you think that the guy who did it with Shogeg he should be left let free I mean, he didn't do anything wrong but no the Torah says he did something wrong and just one more point you have to remember he, how long does he stay in the Irmiklat how long until the death of the Kohen Gadol until the Kohen Gadol dies and that is really a mystery because how, there's no way to know how long it'll take for the Kohen Gadol to die if he's, if he's 100 years old where the Shogay goes into the Ibn you know he's not going to be there for very long and besides what does the Kohen Gadol have to do with the Shogay with the guy who killed um, somebody else for Shogay I mean, this whole story seems a little when it comes to Maisie so it's pretty straightforward. You're somebody who kills somebody else purposely, purposely, is punished. That's, you know, kind of understandable. But someone who kills somebody by accident, and the Gemara goes into great detail, the Gemara Makot goes into great detail about how the guy was holding the, this, this axe or hatchet, you know, like, did it fly off? Did it fly off when he was picking his head up? in which case he's definitely not responsible, or did it fly when he was going down, where the, the somehow they distinguish where the energy that drove the, the head of the, of the hatchet came from that you know, eventually killed somebody. When it's down, so then certainly it's the energy that came from the guy who's holding the hatchet. And if it's up, well, maybe just like it flew into the air and came down, so that it's just the weight of the hammer or the hatchet that is killing the person. Okay. That's what I wanted to say as an introduction. If you want a little more information, you can learn my second Makot. It's about ten blot. And you'll know all about this. So now at the end of the... Yeah, what do you want to ask? So, what? No. You wanted to say you can learn it in Makot? You can learn Makot? So we can learn Makot. It was the Gemara is very, um, you know, the Gemara Sanhedrin talks about Mezid, the Gemara Makot talks about Shogeg, and the Gemara is very careful in analyzing all the words in the Psukim and what they, what they actually mean. But I just need this information as a background, because what I want to talk about is the last two Psukim in that parasha, which is on the sheet. We get to the sheet. The sheet says, Lo tachnifu et ha'aretz asher Tachnifu is not, not a word that, that we really understand. In the dictionaries, I only bring this, I only bring the dictionary because I need a, a starting off point. Um, the dictionaries all say it's like polluted, pollution. You know what it means to pollute the land? Well, I mean, if you mean that the chemical waste comes onto the shore, I could understand what pollute the land means. But what is this pollution that the Pasuk is talking about? Mm-hmm. 
the dam, the blood of the murder uh, will cause yachnif et ha'aretz, will pollute the land. There's nothing you can do. The blood that fills the land can only be atoned for by the blood of the murderer. That's what the Pasuk says. A little bloodthirsty here. Pasuk Lavedalet. Velotitma et ha'aretz asher atem yoshvim ma asher nishochein betocha ki ani Hashem so this terrible situation which is the result of murder the Pasuk says don't allow it to happen don't allow anybody to be murdered neither B'meizid nor B'shogeg there is no particular distinction that is made here Ki Ani Hashem this is it Shochein B'tok B'nei Yisrael so we all know we all know I mean uh, just a little digression we all know that uh, that the world was created in a disparate manner, according to the story in Bereshit. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, and in that world, everything had to grow. Right? The grasses, the flowers, the trees, everything had to have its place. The land, the water, the sun, and the moon. But there was one place in that created world that was differentiated. And that place is called Gan Eden. Right? We, we all know this. I'm not saying anything that is surprising. But what is Gan Eden? Like what, what, how would we describe Gan Eden? Right? It's a place in the world which is more gods than any other place in the world which of course is all gods. In other words, God created the world, and therefore the world that is created belongs to God. It has godliness in it. But there's one place in the world where there's more God than there is any place else, and Adam, Arishon, and Chava, they walked around in the garden, they read, they talked to God. They didn't have to have an introduction to talk to God. They didn't have to have special times to talk to God. It was a special place. But the differentiation of Gan Eden from the rest... Keep going. Oh, okay. So how, how is the Garden of Eden is differentiated from the rest of the world that God created? Even though it doesn't seem there was anybody in the rest of the world, but there were people in the Garden of Eden called Adam and Chava. So how is that differentiated? In the Garden of Eden, there was a love. It was, there were obligations which seemed to be universal. Right? What were the obligations of Adam Arishon? What are the obligations of Adam Arishon? Lavda or the Shamrah. What does that mean? So according to Rashi, it means they had to daven. They had to daven for rain. Right? It wouldn't rain unless you expressed a need or a desire. And according to the Ramban, it's sacrifices. For the same purpose, the same purpose, or there should be rain, the Ramban said they had to bring sacrifices, but as you said, they had to daven. So we can understand, we'll make some kind of a connection between davening and sacrifice, it's not that difficult. Right? So in the Garden of Eden, there were first of all obligations, lovdal or shamra, which means either to daven or the karbanot, the sacrifices, or both. 
Right? We got it? Now, in the whole world, this apparently was true, because I know that when Adam Arishal was kicked out of Gan Eden, and he was like, let loose in the world, the obligation to Daven didn't change. And the obligation of Korbanot, as we see from this story and that story and the other story, that they, that they brought Korbanot. Right? Kayan and Hevel and Noah, they all brought Korbanot. They all brought Korbanot. Okay? But what was, what was the difference in, uh, in the Garden of Eden? What was special about the Garden of Eden? In the Garden of Eden, there was a love. There was a negative commandment. Don't eat from that tree. Right? Don't eat from that tree. And of course, uh, you know, when you tell children not to do something, they do it right away. Like immediately, not just right away. So Adam and Chava, they ate. As you know, there's a, the story is very complicated. There's a snake and they're talking and they're eating and, you know, and they try to figure it out. But, but all of that doesn't matter. There was a negative command given by God. And having transgressed that negative command, they could no longer be part of the special place in the world that was created by God. And so they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and they were locked, the Garden of Eden was locked up, and there were these swords that twirled around, and they couldn't get back. And uh, that's, that was the end of the Garden of Eden. That was the end of the Garden of Eden. So what was the Garden of Eden? It was a special place in the world that God created. So you could say the whole world, of course, is special, right? And therefore the Lubavitch Rebbe sent out Shlichim to every possible place in the world because he figured the whole world was somehow under his jurisdiction, which maybe it was. So, so he did that. The whole world. But in that world, there's a special place in that world called Eretz Yisrael. And what is it that is special about Eretz Yisrael? Well, the same thing that was special about the Garden of Eden. What was special about the Garden of Eden? The accessibility of God. You could talk to God. I mean, it was only Adam and, and his wife, man and wife. But they spoke to it, Kodesh Baruch And they, they apparently could not do that the same way when they got kicked out of. I mean, you could daven, you could bring sacrifices, but you couldn't just enter a com- into a conversation that was not, you didn't have an appointment. So Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu created Eretz Yisrael. How did Avram Avinu create Eretz Yisrael? Because Avram Avinu went to Eretz Yisrael because God commanded him to go. Whereas his father, Terach, was also going to Eretz Yisrael. They were all going to Eretz Yisrael. They were all going to Eretz Canaan. Right? They were all going to Eretz Canaan. But Terach, Terach, he just wanted to make money. Terach didn't want to... Uh, uh, go to uh, go to some place where 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 the weight of God would be heavy heavy upon him. He wasn't thinking of that. But when Avram Avinu was in Haran, God said to Avram Avinu, "Go, lech lecha. Lecha means for your good. Accept this obligation." So Avram Avinu created. Or actualized, that's a good word, right? And those in potential, Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael. But there was nobody there. There was nobody there to, to live in there. It was like, the, it was like Gan Eden, when it was empty. 
nothing in Agan Eden. So there was nothing in Eretz Israel. It's true there were people who lived there, but they weren't part of this deal. So God says to Avram Avinu, go, go to Eretz Israel, and a special place in the created world outside of the Gan Eden was then created. And the what was special about that place that it demanded that the residents who uh, made it into Eretz Israel should adhere to the divine command. And if they didn't adhere to the divine command, they wouldn't be able to live there. Wouldn't be able to stay there. So, these psukim say, Lo tachnifu et ha'aretz, don't pollute the land, kasher atem ba ki adam hu yachdif et ha'aretz. Ha'aretz lo yichapel adam asher shaflach ba ki im adam bedam shovcho. So that murder is, is not a regular kind of, of transgression, but it is an overwhelming transgression. And if there's murder in the land, I don't know how much murder there has to be, or has to murder, but if there's murder in the land, then the land can't bear it. As we learned also in the, in the parish of Achremot, there's a certain, there's a certain kind of uh, a limit that the land has for certain kinds of Averot, especially those three Averot that we know are so significant, right? Shvichat Damim, murder, Avodah idolatry, and Gilui Arayot, non-acceptable sexual uh, relations. So, these three Averot, which by the way, are the three Averot, since we're coming close to an important day in the Jewish calendar, the, the three Averot that... Uh, that caused the exile, right, the destruction of Bayat Rishon, with these three Averot. As we'll see, there's a, that's what the, or if you just turn over the page, uh, look at the back, you see it, the last, the last um, a source is from Avot. Uh, and the Perikei uh, Mishnatet, if you look at the middle of the first line, it says, Galut Bala Olam, so that these three Averot, these three Averot, which, uh, one of which we're talking about, which is Shrichat Amim, are the three Averot that cause a disconnect between God and, uh, and the Jewish people. And because of that disconnect, they can't live in, they can't be in Eretz Israel. It's like, it's like something happened. The whole thing, the wiring went, went bad. Eretz Yisrael is a place where there's a certain kind of relationship between God and, and, and the people of, of Israel. If we kind of contrive to end that relationship, to deny that relationship, then we've messed up all the wiring right, in the world. And we have to go to a place that's called Galut. We have to go to a place where disconnect from God is reasonable or is more reasonable. Right, and so so you have very strange statements in the Gemara. You know, the Gemara says that that uh, it's better to live in Eretz Yisrael, even in a city which is idolatrous or full full of idolaters, than to live in the Galut, because even though you could do the mitzvot in the Galut, well, whatever you know, there's about what you do in the Galut. Really, are you like really doing something, or, or are you just practicing? 
for the time when you come back to Eretz Yisrael. So he says, but you can't, in the Galut, you can't have a relationship. That's, that's the idea. That's why the Rabban went in Aliyah. It may be why the Rambam also came in Aliyah. The Rambam didn't stay in Eretz Yisrael. He went to Egypt because uh, it just didn't work out. You know, like Aliyah is not always an easy thing. But the Ramban was very stubborn about it. When the Ramban came to Yerushalayim, he said there were no minyanim in the city. Can you imagine, Can you imagine that? There's no place to daven. So he went to Hebron. He went to Hebron and then he came back and he built a shul, which today has the interesting name Beit Knesset HaRamban. Not this Beit Knesset HaRamban. That Beit Knesset HaRamban. This Beit Knesset HaRamban was probably built in the time after 48 when we couldn't go to the other Beit Knesset HaRamban. You know, so, so then in Yerushalayim was fine. You said to a taxi driver, take me to Beit Knesset HaRamban. You came here. Today, you have a problem because a taxi driver might take you to the wrong place, depending on where you want to go. But the Beit Knesset HaRamban was built by the Ramban in the old city because he didn't have a minion. He didn't have a place to dab it. So he, so he built So that's how bad the situation was. And yet he was stubborn and stayed. He stayed in Yerushalayim, stayed in, in, in Eretz Yisrael. The Rambam was not able to stay. So in any event, in any event, we come back to the same question, right? About these psukim. These psukim are talking about shvichat damim. Shvichat damim. Uh, murder. And if you look carefully, if you look carefully and you ask yourself the question, which murder are we talking about? Mezid or Shogeg? Remember we made that distinction? Mezid and Shodeg. Mezid is when you want to murder, uh, kill somebody. And Shogeg is where you really weren't thinking about that at all. But what you did uh, caused somebody's murder, right? Caused somebody's murder. So if you look at the Ramban, let's look at the Ramban. Ramban is the second source here. Lo tachnifu et ha'aretz. He said, Bifnei shamar tchila, vayu eilu lechem lechukat mishpat ledorotechem mikol moshmotechem. That all of the above, about Shogeg and Mesid, are going to be chukat mishpat ledorotechem, all the generations. She'eilu ha'mishpatim nohagim gam bechutza la'aretz. In other words, murder, murder is something that we have to avoid even in Chutzlaret. It's not like uh, there's a distinction between Eretz Yisrael and Chutzlaret about murder. But there is a distinction in the implication of it. That because Eretz Yisrael is special, he doesn't say it, but I say it, but Eretz Yisrael is Ganeiden. Right? It's the, it's the, the, the Ganeiden of our times. And since it's Ganeiden, he's here, Shelo Nachnifota, Veshelo Nitzmaota, Vinyan Achanufa, who are Neymar Bekwalot, Vechulay Bechulay. So, so uh, I mean, I think we've spoken about this, that Galut is not a punishment. Exile from Eretz Yisrael is not a punishment. Famine, that's a punishment. Uh, uh, 
losing property and privileges, that's a punishment. But galut is not a punishment. Galut is the result of the way you are. I mean, you can't live here because you just don't have what it takes. So you have to move. But it's not a punishment. It's a reality. It's part of the nature of things. It's the way the world, it's the way that the world was, was conceived and formulated. So now, if we look at this very long Hamek Javar, <coughs> okay, look at the, this very long Hamek Javar, says something, we won't go through the whole thing, but he says something very radical. You see in the beginning of Lotitvah Ta'aretz, you see the Hamek Javar, that's the Nitziv. Nitziv, right? Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin. It's very, uh, only, only people of significance have their names turned into an acronym. You know, the Nitziv. So he says, Mitchila, is here a Ketuv al-Mezid. First, if you go back to the beginning of the parasha, it talks about murder, b'mezid, um, purposeful. Vekan is here a Ketuv al-Ritzicha b'horaat heter. And here, the, the uh, Torah is talking about even Ritzichah B'Shogeg. In other words, what contaminates the land? The land. What makes it impossible to live in Eretz Yisrael? What makes the blood run into the into the orifices of the land? What does all of that, according to the according to the Ritziv? Murder. No distinction between Mezid and Shogeg. So that a person has to know that he, he has to exercise tremendous care in everything he does. Because he might, he might do something that would lead to murder. And even if he did it, Bishogeg, even if he was uh, not purposeful in doing it, the punishment is the same. It doesn't make any difference. This is the position of the Nitzvah. This is what difference does it make. A dead person makes, uh, defiles the land. It says it doesn't matter if you did it or you did it it produces the same the same result now this is a remarkable this is an absolutely remarkable idea but it fits in very well to the pshat so what do we, what do we see that the Torah in this uh, in this uh, in this Parasha. The Torah teaches us, the Torah teaches us that blood, in other words, killing somebody, it doesn't make any difference, it was mazid or shogeg, it doesn't make any difference, the blood that runs out of that person defiles the land. And having defiled the land, it's no longer possible for you to stay there. Right? That's called, that's called vatitma ta'aretz. Or the word yachnifu. Right? To pollute the land. And pollution produces the same result as eating from the Eitzadah Tovarah, produced for Adam and Chava. They couldn't live there anymore. In, uh, even though it's usually, it's usually taken to be that they were kicked out of Gad Eden because, after all, God couldn't trust them anymore. There were no, they, were, they might just go and eat more than they had already eaten. But no, that's not, that's not what, uh, what happened. What happened was 
that the standard that's necessary in order to stay in Gan Eden, that standard was defiled by Adam and Chaval, so they were kicked out of Gan Eden into the rest of the world. Now, the Gan Eden idea was reconstituted was reconstituted by, uh, by Avram Avinu and Eretz Kenan. That Eretz Kenan would be a kind of a Gan Eden. And in fact, just as certain transgressions make it impossible for you to live in Gan Eden if you take a stand against God's command, so you can't live in, in, the, in Gan Eden. Similarly, if you take a stand against the Torah, you can't live in, in Eretz Yisrael. The last thing that I wanted to mention, <laughs> the last thing I want to mention, not the last thing, but a thing that I would like to mention is I told you, I reminded you of the fact that uh, the um, the Shogeg, the guy who is Shogeg, has to stay in the Ir Miklat until the Kohen Gadol dies. And of course, it's a little, a little odd. What, what is he staying there until the Kohen Gadol dies? So I want to remind you of what the Rambam says. You may have heard of this from time to time. But the Rambam here in the Moron of Uchim, this is the Moron of Uchim. I mean, this is, uh, this is the Penis English translation of the Moron of Uchim, which you could buy in uh, two paperback volumes for the University of Chicago. It's cheaper. But this, and this translation is the English translation of our times. Probably will not be, uh, will not, nothing better will happen to the Moenavuchim for the next 500 years. What's the shortcoming of the Friedlander translation? It's, it's just not, first of all, it's, it's very inelegant. But it's also, it also is not as good. You know, he has words, you know, everything is about words and how you translate them. And he, Penis, was a bigger chacham than Friedlander. Even though Friedlander knew Arabic, and the translation is good, and you can download it for free from the internet, and this you can't. But this is much better. There's no... I mean, even I don't know much Arabic, but I can see that it's better. Even I can see that it's better. So, here we have it, the Rambam. The Rambam, part 3, chapter 40. Part 3, chapter 4. Listen to this. And his return, meaning that when does the Shogeg murderer get out of the Ir Habiklat? Is made to depend upon the death of the individual who, for the whole of Israel, is the greatest and most beloved of human beings. Who is the greatest and most beloved of human beings? According to the Rambam, who's he referring to? The Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol. Why is the Kohen Gadol beloved? Why is he the greatest and most beloved of all the Jews? Because he goes into the Holy of Holies. Yeah, because he goes and he gets atonement for the entire peoples. Do you imagine everybody standing in Yom Kippurim, and here goes the Kohen Gadol bearing the burden of everybody's sin? And then he comes out, and everybody breathes a sigh of relief. You know, Brad runs to get their juice and sponge cake. And, and so he's the greatest. And he's the great man. He, he gives you a lease on life. Could anything be greater than that? So he says, listen to this, the Rabbah. 
he says that the, this individual who for the whole of Israel every single person is the greatest and most beloved of human beings the greatest and most beloved of you for thereby the soul of the, of the victim of misfortune whose kinsman has been killed will have been calmed the soul of the victim of misfortune whose kinsmen have been killed will have been calmed in other words when I see the guy who murdered my relative I see the guy I get angry but the question is like what am I angry about what am I angry about I'm angry that that the dead is not calm the dead person he's got a problem he's screaming and yelling in the grave or he's screaming and yelling up in heaven do something, do something. But, he says, he says, after the Kohen Gadol comes out of the, the temple on Yom Kippurim, everybody feels better. It's calmer. For it, for it is human nature that one who has been stricken by misfortune finds consolation in the fact that someone else has been stricken by a similar misfortune or by one that is greater. How's that for a happy note? In, in, in other words, if I have, if some misfortune comes upon me, so I feel badly. But there's a saying, it's in the Gemara, but, but uh, you could use it even in modern Hebrew. Uh, Bialik wrote, wrote them, Tzarat Rabim Chatsi Nechama. You ever hear that? Yes. Right? So what does that mean? Sorry. What? It's a German word. <laughs> no, it's a rabbin. When, when, when everybody is suffering, chatsi nechama, so I feel better. Misery loves company. What? Misery loves company. Okay, misery loves company. But in Hebrew, the Hebrew pitgam is sarat rabbin chatsi nechama. Chatsi nechama means I feel better already. You know, like, like if, if I'm miserable, but I know everybody else is miserable, huh? so I'm happy. I mean, that's why you read these magazines, which only talk about misery. And, you know, how to cure misery, because everybody feels a little bit better. This is the Rambam. The Rambam, who was, you know, not known for his psychological insights, necessarily. This is what he says. is that amongst the misfortunes constituted by the death of individuals none to our mind is greater than that constituted by the death of a high priest in, in other words if there's a high priest and I'm confident that on Yom Kippurim he can save us all from, uh, from whatever we should be worried about so when he dies that's really a terrible tragedy for the entire people of Israel. It's not only about his family. It's about the people of Israel who no longer have that protective umbrella. So how can I think so much about my personal my personal desire when when everything is when everything is coming apart? That's what the that's what the Rabbah said. So the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Gadol is the benchmark. It says when the Kohen Gadol dies, then the Goel Hadam, the person who might uh, uh, extract this punishment from the murderer. You know, it was Shogate. 
is, is no longer thinking about that. He's thinking about this terrible tragedy that befell Am Yisrael. So I think that the ideas, the ideas that we, we should try to remember are that, that somehow Eretz Yisrael is Gan Eden. Not that they're the same, equal, but that just as Gan Eden was a special place in the created world, something that doesn't really make sense to us, why should there be a special place in the created world that God created? But every place should be special, right? You know, if you like have a pluralistic bent to you. So every place is the same. Every place could be good. Every place could be, you know, a good place to daven. So it's all, um, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. So, but there was a Gan Eden. There was a Gan Eden. The Ramban says at the end of Dvarim in his commentary says. He doesn't exactly ask the question, but I ask the question based on the Ramban. That the Ramban says, why did the Torah tell us about Gan Eden? In other words, what happened in Gan Eden? We got kicked out. So if we got kicked out and we can't go back, so why, what good is there to even know the story? What difference does it make? We could start from Adam and Chava in the world. We have to start from Adam and Chava getting kicked out of Gan Eden. So the answer the Ramban gives is that everything that ever existed is a possible goal. It's the, it's the opposite. We have to know what the goal is. We have to know how good it might be. And that's what Gan Eden comes to teach us. So just as the psukim, just as the psukim tell us that if we deny responsibility and don't accept the divine uh, charge, that the end will be very bad. Similarly, it tells us that if we do accept the divine uh, obligation and we act out what the Torah wants us to act out, that the end could be very good, a veritable, a veritable Ghanaian. Have a good show.